0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Sharon Jackson Jr., John Moran's, Joe Johnson's, Jaw John Rafts, of course, living in the Memphis Zoo. Top 10 Zoo, top five zoo in the country, by the way. 100%. Top five zoo. And I've I'm only not, been to like three zoos total, The top five zoos.
1: I, I have never heard the Memphis Zoo mentioned in the top of the zoo power rankings, but Best I haven't been there. Best so. zoos
0: in the country. We're doing this right now. We're getting to the bottom of it. I know right San
1: now. Diego's up there.
0: Oh, yeah. But that's like, I mean, that's like saying, I mean, we're, San Diego is so perfect. that saying that San Diego is up there is just kind of like, yeah, obviously. Okay, here we go. Um, according to vacationideas.com um we got the bronx zoo i feel like new york's kind of in that same category it's just kind of unfair um the denver zoo okay the cincinnati zoo the pittsburgh zoo the dallas zoo okay this is a bad list hold on (laughs) let's see i'm gonna be sad if it's not in the top 10 it's so great it really is but then again 11 11th would you would you would you think that the memphis zoo would be a, a borderline top 10 zoo in the country no okay see that's all that's all i need okay we're going one more one more this is scenicstates.com <laughs> the best zoos to visit in the us see now this is okay dorley zoo that one was on the other one okay san diego i just need i just needed the memphis zoo to crack the top 11 i need them to just be on this list for me come on Come on. The DC Zoo is awesome. The DC Zoo is cool.
2: I do believe I've been there. Don't remember much about it. But...
0: <sighs> All right, fine. Anybody who's been very much enjoys it. It's, it's a great zoo. It really is. And unlike other zoos, like, you know, when you go to like 50% of the zoos in the country, like half of the exhibits just don't have animals in them. It's like, mm-hmm. sorry, they're like having lunch. My um, Zoo ain't like that. Anyways, and it's headlined by Ja Raph, of course. Of course. Um, thank you for hearing me on my zoo on my zoo tangent. Um, typically I ask you how you're doing. So I'm gonna ask you that at this point. Josh, how are you doing?
1: I have found my player in this draft. I'm very excited.
0: Your player that in the I'm higher on this player than everybody else? Yes. Guy? Okay. Okay. And it's not that
1: I will be irrationally invested in come next season in the NBA.
0: Okay. Okay. So who was it last year? Who was your guy last year? Did you have a guy last year?
1: I mean, I guess Scotty Barnes.
0: Yeah. Does that is that fair? Does that count though? Not not
1: that I thought he would be way better than everybody else did, but that I was Mm -hmm. insisting he was going to be really good.
0: Did you have a connection to this prospect before? No. Okay. All right.
1: This is more of a yeah, this, this
0: is not a top 10. kind of guy. Is this a first round guy? Are we going to say his name in this podcast? Oh,
1: he will be taken.
0: (laughs) He said, if it's the 30th, if it's the 29th pick and it's my last pick and I have to make sure that he's selected in this draft, I will select him in this draft. Um, Okay. But if you, uh, from the subtle hints, the clues, the nuggets dropped, we're, uh, we're doing a mock draft of the first round today. Now, Before we jump into this, we have to make one very important distinction. The first one, just logistically, we're not each bringing like our lottery picks. We're doing the entire first round. We're both acting as GMs and we're going back and forth all 30 of the first round picks. The most important distinction here is that Josh and I are not draft experts from a trying to predict which team is going to take which player we could talk about it in the lottery but honestly i don't have all that much interest in trying to gauge what the number 23 overall pick is going to be this year to the philadelphia 76ers i just don't care i just don't care um so with that being said we are making picks here under our own volition okay we're not trying to we're not trying to copy we're that's not we're not copycatters here we're not copycatters here um You know, when I pick, I guess, 10th, like if I, you know, with the 10th overall pick, I'm not trying to guess what the Wizards GM is going to take with the 10th overall pick. I'm taking who I think the Wizards should take with the number 10 overall pick based on who the first nine picks were. So, now that that's out in the open, I feel like we've laid the groundwork to get into this. I agree. Okay. Well, we did a very official over text message a very official uh lottery actually we did a lottery to see who get the number one overall pick. we flipped a coin which honestly sounds way easier than but i guess not there's only two sides of the coin can we get like a 13 sided 14 sided die and just throw it up in the air and whoever it lands on that's who gets to be the number one overall pick that sounds way that sounds way less confusing than the way they do it right now
1: and or you get you know a
0: and you make the sides big like like the, right. the worst team, the, the side of the die that is assigned to the team with the worst record, that side of the dice is the biggest, has right. the most or, or surface you, area.
1: Or you get a bazillion-sided die and give right. More, okay. And you do it
0: a right, bazillion-sided you, die. Yeah. I'm here for that.
1: You do it live so that there's no questions about frozen envelopes because you're all watching this breakdown in real time.
0: I love that i think we just solved the lottery Yep. also also the people who spend their time worried about frozen envelopes just need to get over just need to get over them just need to get over themselves they just do um but okay we're gonna do the first 30 uh picks in the draft josh did you know there are only 58 picks in the draft this year due to like tampering stuff and i don't know off the top of my head who it is, but there were, but the Indiana Pacers have the 58th pick in the draft, and that is the last pick in this year's draft. It's only 76, you know, 58 players going to be taken in this year's draft, which is It's, it's kind of tough, a tough year to be like one of the four last four guys yeah. that might be picked. Um, On the flip
1: side, you get to pick what team you go to. So maybe this is true,
0: right? If if somebody would have picked you with the 60th overall pick, you're probably going to have your choice of uh, summer league roster, which I suppose is uh is is nice unless you're going to, unless you're, you get drafted by a team with the 57th overall pick that has like a chance to win the title next year. But you know, give and take. Um, but without further ado, let's uh let's do a mock draft here. Starting with the number one overall pick, we'll go back and forth all the way to 30. Uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, do you have the draft order in front of you, or would you like me to tell you who's picking? Oh, I've got it. Okay. Wow. I think Josh is locked in. I think he's absolutely. absolutely. I think he's absolutely locked in. Okay. Now on the clock. The Orlando Magic, with the responsibility of take with the responsibility of the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, Orlando, you are now on the clock. Please don't take. Five oh no. Minutes. no! No no no. Okay. Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, the number one overall pick in the 2022 Jays for Days mock draft. Was this a difficult decision for you at all? No. No?
1: And particularly not only do I think, do I have Chet number one on my personal big board, but also they have guards.
2: They have Jonathan Isaac. He, he fits. And the idea of him and Jonathan Isaac on the defensive end is terrifying. Mm-hmm.
1: But they don't. I mean, theoretically, you could slot any of these guys in there. But to me, he makes the most sense from a fit standpoint. In addition to being the highest upside
2: player, and the most logical choice because he's a seven-foot unicorn. So no, it was not hard for me.
0: Well, I'm a little sad that you took Chat with number one overall pick. Um, that's fine though. That's fine. That's whatever. This is what it is. It's okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's who I would have gone with with the number one overall pick. Uh, big big boy Chet. Um, like we talked about on the last podcast, I'm uh, he is easily the highest ceiling in the draft with all the things he brings to the table. Um, and you're right. I mean, you can make a lot of the same arguments for why Jabari Smith wouldn't be a bad pick here either. Sure, um, but it's it's certainly a preference of, of, which of these guys that you that you really like because they're right the the skill set is slightly different but both of them seem to be to be locks here at at um, at number uh, at number one or two at least right now um, what we've seen recently. Okay, number two overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm going Paolo Bancaro. I think that, and this is interesting because a lot of mock drafts have Jabari Smith going one right now. Now, granted, mock draft, different purpose than this year draft. But I we've talked about on the last podcast, um, I think Paolo is the most NBA-ready guy at the top of this draft and the guy that I just have no issues with what he might be Wherever he goes. And I think pairing him with Oklahoma City Thunder, you've got, I mean, Giddy and Palo Bancaro kind of being uh, the wings type of guys. You got Shagel, just Alexander there as well. Um, you know, I think there's an argument for Jabari Smith here, but I am a really big Palo Bancaro fan. Um, 6'10, 250, massive NBA ready body. Um, I think would fit in there nicely with. And then all of a sudden the Thunder have, I, I think, a, a collection of guys that uh, very much uh, can be the centerstone of perhaps actually turning all of this draft capital that they have into like positive results on the basketball court. <laughs> like at some point they have to do that. Um, I think Palo's uh, a, a pretty good piece to add to that equation. So I will take Palo at number two. Well, that makes number
1: three pretty easy.
0: That does make so three pretty that easy.
1: That leaves Jabari Smith for the Houston Rockets. Whichever one of the three was left is the one that I was going to take. Mm-hmm. It also helps that, you know, they took a guard last year. So, in terms of players that are core pieces moving forward, any of these guys fit nicely. You can do whatever you want with the rest of the roster. It's not like you have a concern about whether this is going to hinder Jalen Green or not. Maybe Chet would have been a little bit more of a nice fit because Green is so scoring centric and Chet gives you a little bit of playmaking, but
2: that is neither here nor there and not relevant since Chet is off the board. so Jabari Smith end of discussion.
0: that's bold of you to take the the one of these three guys. I think honestly, I think that that's the complete opposite order of the way this is going to go eventually. Um, but I like it. I'm here for it. Um, so Chet so far Chet won for the to the Orlando magic magic. Paulo of two to the oklahoma city thunder jabari smith joining Jalen green in houston with the rockets okay fourth overall pick going to sacramento and this is very quickly where it gets interesting and to be honest with you i like there there are a few different guys here that look like they could be taken forth by the kings but i think uh, and I talked about we talked about Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp in the podcast last week. Um, you know how I feel about those guys. Um, so with the number four over, overall pick, I'm taking Keegan Murray. Um, I oh. don't, I don't love. I, I I'm not sure. I I need Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp to go go somewhere with just a touch more structure, just a touch more sense of direction than the Kings. I, I think Keegan Murray is more of a plug and play guy, and he's going to be able to do whatever you need him to do immediately. Um, and I just, I, I don't think, I don't want Jaden Ivy on, on my team there at four. So I am going to take Keegan Murray, the six, eight forward. You just thought him, him in there, you've got, you've already got a bit, a, a lot going on in the backcourt in Sacramento Between Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, Um, I think Keegan Murray fits nicely in between that and what's going on on the interior with guys like Demontis Sabonis. Uh, Keegan can knock down threes, kind of play off that pick and roll that I feel like De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis will sort of cultivate over the next you know year or so. Have him space the floor, give them space. DeMonte Sabonis playmaking from you know the elbow, from the middle of from the free throw line. Um, I like Keegan Murray a lot. He'll play defense well, kind of right off the bat. Um, Hustle, 6'8", shoot 40% from the three-point line. Um, And as you know, I couldn't care less that he's already 21 years old. (laughs) So Keegan Murray, number four, off the board for me.
1: Wow. I was fully expecting this was not going to be short for Ivy. I did not think it was going to be Murray. You really are messing with my plan here.
0: Who did you think it was going to be?
1: We're going to save that for a second until I make my final decision about what the Pistons are going to do.
0: Okay. all right, Fair enough. <laughs> but I do,
1: I do like the fit and I'm with you that any of the, I mean, this would be my least favorite pick of the draft if it's time from a yeah lack of structure standpoint, as we've discussed and a, why do you keep get drafting guards standpoint? Mm-hmm. And you just invested a boatload in Sabonis. So you better not clog the middle. You better let him do his thing. But giving him a three-level scorer who can shoot the ball and create his own shot and play off of right, the, the passing you have with him and the Aaron Fox makes a lot of
0: sense.
2: Agreed.
1: So from a fit standpoint, I like that. A lot.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I really enjoy your validation. Okay. <laughs> on, on the clock, the Pistons with the number five overall pick. Pistons are taking A.J. Griffin. Wow, are they really? I thought you were going to take him at four. No, I wasn't going to do that. He's four on my big board, for what it's worth. I love that. I'm here for that in many ways. I was was planning to take Ivy here, because I assumed you were going to take Griffin four.
1: And as we've discussed, I like this Ivy thing, the best of any of them.
2: What the Pistons don't need another ball handler. The Pistons can go out there with all of the six, five to six,
1: you know, seven, six, eight dudes mm-hmm. and roll out Cunningham, Griffin, Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. And now you're talking about something. Right. With right theoretically, at least at this moment in time, Jeremy Grant. That is a very that's a you know Toronto Raptors-esque unit out there with a bunch of kind of tall dudes can mm-hmm. guard multiple positions and are difficult to deal with and you have a primary ball handler. and the idea of kate cunningham having Sadiq bay on one side and aj griffin on the other to shoot the ball yeah i like this fit a lot too and i have griffin i believe more in griffin than ivy so i'm going to take her
0: well i thought jay Ivy was going to be off the board and i think the pacers are going to think that jay and Ivy is going to be off the board at six um I think that kind of the, right. The structure of, of, of a young guy in Tyrese Halliburton, that I think is very much capable of being a um, being kind of the, the guy in Indiana moving forward. I think that the Pacers would be wise to move on from Malcolm Brogdon and that would bring that would open up space to bring Jay Nivey in and put him next to Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt and, um, so that's where I'm going with number six. Um, at this point, you just have to take Jaden Ivey because he's that good. Um, I, I've, I've talked a lot about Jaden Ivey in the last you know week and a half. Like, I don't think he's good. I think he is good. I just think there are just things that I don't like about him from a, hey, I need him to come in and be my guy perspective. Um, but put him next to Tyrus Halliburton in the backcourt – um i think he is a little victor oladipo ish you know from not you know from an athleticism and game perspective but also from the fact that you know he played college basketball in the state of indiana as well um i do i think at this point Jaden ivy is the best the best guy left uh, on the board and if you get to that guy at six yeah i feel like you have to take him. so moving right along Jaden ivy to the pacers um get Some excitement in there, some athleticism. Then all of a sudden, you know, like if you could get him to lock in defensively and you have him and Miles Turner playing defense for you, like that is uber athleticism. But either way, um, I think he I think Tyrese Halberton allows you to put pretty much anybody here for the Pacers, yeah. Um, especially in the backcourt. Um, and and then you're you know, you're rocking with a you know, a starting five that has the foundation of a Miles Turner in the front court, Tyrese Halliburton and Jaden Ivey in the back court, and you just you just kind of go from there uh, and see what happens there. I think that that gives you a chance to move Chris Duarte to the bench, which I think will I think a six man role at least for the next couple years is going to be the place that Duarte really shines because I think he does a lot of things well but nothing especially great, which I think is a good place for, which kind of screams six man in a lot of ways. Um, but you add him to this roster, you know, hopefully in theory, um, guys like TJ Warren come back. There are still some other holes on this roster, but he healed is there. Of course. Um, there are still some, some holes on this roster, but none that could be filled um, with a different guy here is, as, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going with uh, Ivy I at six. There's no way
1: he gets past six.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: yeah. And not. and I'm I'm with you that this is the other spot, and I've been hammering that Halberton needs to be on the ball since he got drafted. This is the other spot it can work because mm-hmm. both of them can play off the ball. Both of them can play on the ball. Halberton proved it in the NBA. Iv, at least you, could, right, you can ask him to be your primary playmaker at times. Mm-hmm. So that that interchangeable, it goes to the same idea. It works differently, but it's the same concept that we've been talking about, the Pistons, of you have somebody who is capable of running an offense and making good decisions and being the primary playmaker. So you can go let Ivy kind of find the game, get out in transition, attack matchups one-on-one without having to worry about making good decisions and making all of his teammates better right
2: away, too.
0: Agreed. So quick recap, Chet, Paolo, Jabari, Keegan, AJ Griffin going top five here in the draft and Jaden Ivy at six. Now on the clock with the number seven overall pick is the Portland trail Blazers who just need a lot of stuff. Josh, where are you going? Shade and sharp.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the Blazers might be at the very list, at the very top of the list of teams. That just go swing for the fences every year. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, they have done a great deal of.
2: Some more successful than others. But. Damian Loder needs help. If you're going to
1: find a way to. Bingo. And make it him. Quickly. Yes. If you're going to find a way to make
2: him a blazer for life. You got to find another starter pair with him shane sharp can be that kind of guy so you take
1: whatever lumps come with it you take the risk of having never seen this guy play against high quality opposition you're not taking him at three you're taking him at seven and however this goes i will never if he is still on the board at seven and the blazers pulled the trigger on this i will never criticize him for it there is absolute justification for saying we we have to swing for the fences here this guy can be a multi-time all-star every bit the player CJ McCollum is if not better. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. Because some of these guys, you know, I don't ever think Keegan Murray's going to be that guy. Keegan Murray's probably going to have a very good NBA career. I like Keegan mm-hmm. Murray's game. It's all about context and what the Blazers need and Keegan Murray's just not going to move the needle the way Shaden Sharp
0: Yeah you know this is this is interesting because there's also a part of me that thinks that right because the other guy that's in Orlando that's in Portland that makes this a little interesting like they are filled with six three guards like they're just there's six three guards all <laughs> over the place between yeah. Damian Lillard and Norman <laughs> Powell and Anthony Simons who had a good, game, a good year last year they're just kind of all over the place. And you're absolutely right. They need more scoring, but it's not like there's a guy it's, it would be perfect if like Anthony Simons was, you know, was either was somebody was like six, seven, mm-hmm. so they could play the three. Right. right. But like Anthony Simons is six, three, Benjamin Thurman only six, five. Um, shayden sharp is also six five right yeah just under six five the point being is that you know at this point right i'm never i'm always a, a a the best you know best prospect standing guy especially when you get like high in the draft like if you get to the 22nd pick and you're like hey let's let's try and go for for like a fit like hey we need some shooting and we really think that space is the floor and we're a team that feels like we can, you know, contend in the East or the West next year, then I'm, then I'm willing for to have that conversation, but I'm never, you know, not all that interested in looking at the roster and thinking, yeah, you know what, they've got Anthony Simons and Damian <laughs> Lillard in the backcourt already. I don't think we need to pick right. another guy there. Right. What they need is a guy who can absolutely go and get buckets next to, next to, um, to Damian Lillard, take a little pressure off of him, all of those things as he, you know, inevitably gets older. And it's not like he's had the most healthy last couple of years either. Um, and having as much pressure on him as he does probably doesn't help that. Um, so I'm always, I, I'm, I'm also never going, to, I'm never going to fall Portland if they take him at number seven, um, because he's probably not going to get that far anyways, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, but if he does i feel like at that point if you're portland you have to you, you have to take him there as well okay moving on number eighth overall pick in the 2022 nba draft belongs to the new orleans pelicans as of right now what the pelicans need is continue to displace the floor in case there's a like ooh maybe if one day ever zion williamson can come back you need to make sure that when he comes back that the the interior isn't bogged down that there isn't a a ton of guys in his way you know that the roster became very very interesting and then all of a a sudden you've got this this team that's like man we were kind of competitive last year on the down low um and we finished strong and we feel like maybe we've actually found our coach of the foreseeable future with Willie Green, which has been an equally big big part of sort of the d- dysfunction of this organization the last half decade, right? Because I mean, Zion has had, what, three different coaches already in his three years in New Orleans, four years in New Orleans? I, mean, I think it's, that's right. I mean, it's it's been – hold on, let me look. Yeah, I mean, totally. Alvin Gentry right. – then one year of Stan Van Gundy, Gundy, Gundy and now, and now, Will, and now, Green. And now yeah. Willie Green. Um, and it feels like that Willie Green might be a, a guy who's going to stick around for a while. But but this is an interesting, a, a super interesting roster now because like when you look at it, they've got a lot of really good pieces from Brandon Ingram to CJ McCollum, to Herb Jones, like Herb Jones becoming like a three and like one of the most important defensive players in the NBA in terms of like impact is something I did not see coming. Um, at least not right. Certainly not immediately. I mean, we talked about that guy being one of the, the more, um, the, the, some of the biggest value from the 2021 NBA draft, uh, is how good he has been, um, but, um, excuse sorry, I completely blanked. Um, but you know, there's some ways that they can, they can help out here. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of finding a di- right. Because when you look at your, you know, you've got your Brandon Ingrams, you've got your CJ McCollums, uh, you've got, um, your Herb Joneses, your Jonas Valanciunas's, um, I'm kind of looking for a guy with Lots of feel for the game. A guy who's a really interesting prospect for me uh, and has kind of um, been a guy that I've been interested in and a guy that I feel like is going to be a really good defender, which when you look at all of those other guys, like none of those guys jump off the charts other than Herb Jones as being like a defender in any way, shape, or form, right? Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, um, which is why with the number eight overall pick, uh, we're going with Dyson Daniels. From G League Ignite, six six guy, six six, not a three point shooter, but honestly, that's okay when you got all the scoring around him. Um, super long arms, high IQ defender, really good passer, and having a guy that can see over the defense uh, and kind of put him around guys like Brandon Ingram and in theory Zion Williamson. Have C J McCollum in the backcourt that allows you to hide C J McCollum on somebody else. Right, If Dyson Daniels can take the most important defensive assignment in the backcourt, in theory, you'll be able to hide CJ McCollum in some other places. Um, but I like, I, I like this idea a lot. Um, kind of does a lot of things that I feel like the Pelicans could use. Um, and as long as you've got some of those guys around him shoot, shooting well, um, I think you can get past the fact that he was not a great three-point shooter right? and still is not a great three-point shooter. Um so, I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels here at uh, number eight. Him and
1: Jose Alvarado in the backcourt would be quite something from a defensive standpoint.
0: I love it. Give it to me. Give it all to me.
1: With all of those scorers on uh, the sort of that second, next level. I mean, of course, McCollum's going to have a starting spot and all of that. But in those two guys, plus all of the scoring that you get from, right? This is a, they're getting very interesting. I just hope it actually comes together at some
2: point.
0: But agreed. We shall
2: see. I did not see that one coming either. So we are on to the Spurs. I'm going to go Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran for the Spurs at number nine. Because. So many of their key guys moving forward are
1: sort of those shooting guard small forward combo guys that Johnny Davis fits right into that. And I'm not, I'm just not sure they a necessarily need another one of those. Of course, Jakob Poldel is an ever present in the middle. Duran just gives you something different. And again, going with the upside for a franchise that is trying to get back to being in the upper echelon of the Western Conference and has a ways to go. To me, Johnny Davis just isn't isn't the guy that's going to elevate you there, especially when you have players that fill a similar role. And, you know, just took Devin Vassell, who does more or less the same thing. Not quite as polished as Johnny Davis, but I, I'm going Jalen Dern. We're going to take another big swing here.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Jalen Duran, number nine, to the Spurs. To the Spurs. All right, number twelve. Number ten. The Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards need freaking everything. Um, just, just, just they need a lot. It's, it's, it's a, um, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, there for for the wizards
2: man i don't know i don't i don't know where to go here i don't know
0: hmm so you took jalen Dern from me that's okay i'm only a little sad about it
1: i i fully expected to not be the
2: one drafting him to be honest You know, hmm. I'm going to go for the Wizards at 10. Hmm. You know, I'm
0: going to go with Usman Dang from New Zealand with number 10. Um. At this point, I mean, the, there's a world in which, I mean, 6'10", smooth score, um, size, of course, it's 6'10", defensive versatility in theory. Um, there's a lot to like about Usman, only 19 years old. I'm, I'm not... I, I think just at this point... <laughs> the Wizards, you know, take a stab at somebody at number 10. I'm not all that interested in just, like, getting a, another guy that's going to be, like, somewhat relatively uninspiring next to Bradley Beal. I mean, like, you took Corey Kispert last year, Denny Avdia the year before. Let's get kind of wild, and let's take a guy that is just, like, tall and lanky and kind of a playmaker, kind of has some guard skills at 6'10", and just kind of see what happens. Um, so I'll go with Usman Dang there at... Uh, at 10 to the Wizards just get just get kind of weird with it because you know after this we're talking about guys that are like relatively uninspiring to a team that just needs like I'll put it this way I like Benedict Mathurin and I like Jeremy Sohan and I like I've tried and I like Johnny Davis and but I like I, I like those guys even more in like more supplementary roles than like i feel like a wizards guy is gonna have to be and dang we might look up and dang be the type of guy that's like man that guy went 10th that six ten score went 10th um so i'll go with i'll go with dang here at the number 10 to the wizards
1: so the mexico take johnny davis 11 then he he, there's just a clear delineation for me between him and everybody else available
2: Yes, they have plenty of wings of the Duke ilk. <laughs> they, they just need help. And from an RJ, sorry, yeah, RJ Barrett standpoint, it's a nice complimentary piece because Johnny Davis is defensively much better. It gives you a little more versatility.
1: Yes, Cam I understand. Cam Reddish also is supposed to give you those things. I just, Cam Reddish is not going to force me to do anything. So, we're going Johnny Davis. He will all certainly be off the board by then.
2: And so, at this point, he's, there's just the, the potential, the upside, the value is too good to pass it. I can't
0: blame you there. I can't blame you there. Um, I, I am, I'm genuinely intrigued by Johnny Davis as a prospect because there's part of me that thinks Johnny Davis is a really gifted scorer. And then there's part of me who thinks he's just kind of a guy that I'm not entirely sure how he carves out his, like, like, is he a guy that ends up being like a good defender and a guy that you just always wish was a little bit more offensively? I, I, I'm a little worried by six, four guys who don't shoot it well and who aren't like necessarily jumping out of the gym. Um, so
1: and, I mean he was playing in a system built to get him 25 points a game. Sure. That's not gonna be the case.
0: Sure, right. And, and like, you know, so he doesn't shoot it especially well. He's he's not good, he doesn't, you know, live above the rim. I'm I'm a little like if you told me on draft night that Johnny Davis is the guy that everyone thought was going to go top 10 and he actually went 14th. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Right and, with you. and it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me because I'm just like, there are other guys here that I just am so much more confident in their ability to sort of carve out that spot. than than Johnny Davis, because right now carving out that spot, I think just kind of looks like being a scorer and being a six, four scorer who can't shoot the three ball super efficiently and can't, Finish up and like is a below the rim finisher is kind of that's not exactly the best hand i would have liked to have been dealt um but i feel also like at this point when you get to 11 um there there aren't very many guys um that you should should, should take uh, ahead of him um so i'm here for the value there uh oklahoma city because oklahoma city picks like once every four picks um oklahoma city uh, via the la clippers right i don't know if you knew but the 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 thunder have quite a few clippers uh picks i don't know if you knew that <laughs> just a um couple. um but they are here at 12 um and i'm gonna get this is where i'm gonna go with jeremy sohan um i think fitting him in next in, the, in this hypothetical you know lineup that's kind of taking place with shea Gilders alexander um Josh Giddy, if you think back to the earlier in the podcast, when I took Paolo Bancaro number two overall to the thunder, and then you add a guy like Sohan, who's going to come in and immediately hang his hat on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Six, nine, big freshman, Uh, so a lot of, uh, room to grow. Um, and then if you can just get him to knock down a corner three, then, uh, then he's going to be uh, an asset to, to your team. Um, and, and that, that's kind of belittling him a little bit, but definitely the type of guy who can defend all five positions. Um, and if he can space the floor, then he's going to be a, a, a tough guy to deal with.
1: I love that pick for the Thunder. And just like right. he gives you something completely different from Giddy and Bancaro, he's interchangeable, so you can build the rest of the roster the way you want. I have questions about what the ceiling actually is because. On the one
2: hand, the exponential growth he has had suggests he could become phenomenal. The flip side to that is what is there that you're actually convinced he's
1: going to take that next step and that he hasn't already? He's an elite defender, super athlete, could shoot the ball a little bit, can play make a little bit. I just don't see him becoming all that much more than that, which is why he's sort of back half of lottery, middle first round, not top 10. But when you have guys that are doing the scoring already, he's a perfect compliment. If this ends up happening, I'll be very happy.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I think that's a, that's solid. And kind of, we're getting to this spot where if anybody takes him, whoever takes him between 11 and 14, you're like, okay, yeah, we can, we can see how that, how that might work. Um, Okay, on the clock, 13, the Charlotte Hornets. What do you got? Mark Williams. Little Mark Williams.
1: (laughs) This fit is just too perfect. They are so badly in need of a center. Mm -hmm. The center doesn't have to do anything particularly special. The center just needs to be an interior presence, and Mark Williams is certainly an interior presence. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want to take any risks. They, they have the stars. They know what direction they're headed in. They don't need
1: to swing for the fences. They need to get somebody else who's going to help elevate them to the next level. Mark Williams can be that guy. Um, this is the point where I go, he's in the ballpark on my big board. We're going to give a little bit of a boost to the fit slash need part of my equation because mm-hmm. – there are very few glaring holes
2: in the NBA, like the Charlotte Hornets at center. Mm-hmm.
0: You would think yeah, the, the a team tr- needing desperately to just be a, to find a big guy who can just stand there is like it's like there are not a lot of teams like super struggling. It's like yeah, we have got we got a guy. He's functional. He's good. He's fine enough. Um, which which I kind of feel like might be changing a little bit, considering how good the center position is all of a sudden mm-hmm. in the NBA. Um, but yeah, Mark Williams, seven feet, just just an, an issue. Almost three blocks a game in the ACC. Um, yeah, good defender can score. Like like he has some touch in on the interior. It's not like he just has no touch whatsoever. So like right,
1: good pick and roll partner for the right, ball. right. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, I like that a lot. I think uh, he would serve be, he would serve himself well uh, in, in Charlotte with the Hornets. Okay. With a number 14 overall pick, I'm going Ochai Baci to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I like this fit as well. Um, you know, it's it's kind of wild what having Evan Mobley does to just sort of your versatility from a just like, yeah, let's, we've got so many different things we can do here, right? Because we just don't, if nothing else, we've got Darius Garland in the backcourt and we've got Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley sort of anchoring everything that happens inside the three-point line um, on both ends of the floor, Um I feel like what they could they could use is a guy who can stretch the floor, be a secondary playmaker off of off of Garland, be a guy who doesn't necessarily who doesn't need to have the ball because because that's what I, I feel like you're right. Karis Levert, I think, is a another ball dominant scorer. I feel like Baji will be able to sort of fit into this. OK, if I end up with the ball with six seconds, I've got a few moves I can go to to sort of be a secondary playmaker shot creator. We saw that at Kansas. Yep but he can also be a guy that like is going to knock down wide open threes. Yep. Um, and I don't feel like he's, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like he's going to be the kind of guy who's going to be frustrated with that either. And there are other guys on this team, namely Kara Sliverton and Colin Sexton that I think will be upset with that. So being able to fit him next to the two guys that are just better than the other two names I just um, just mentioned. Um, I think is a good thing and he's right. He's not exactly the, he's not a world beater defensively just because he's six, five. He doesn't have the longest of wingspans, but he's a good on ball defender. Um, he's,
2: he's, you know,
0: not going to, he's probably not going to pull the most important defensive, uh, responsibility on the other team, but certainly not a, a liability defensively. So I'm going to go with uh, Ochag Baji here. I have faith in his ability to hold on to that, like 40 plus percent three point shooting. Um, that's the big question here for Ogbaji, uh, uh, mm-hmm. And And uh, I, I think I have faith in his ability to, to do that. So I'm going to go with Ogbaji uh, here at 14.
1: Big fan of that fit too. I want, I want him going to a team that's trying to go from decent to good or good to great. Cleveland definitely falls into that category because he's going to be somewhat limited. But you put him with those other pieces, with the interior presence, with the ball handlers. Right, he's going to give you shooting. You got to pay attention to him. If you don't, if you close him out too aggressively, he's going to blow right by you. He got much better attacking the rim. He got significantly better every year at Kansas. He's going to give you something defensively, and just the dude shows up every single night. And of course, understand what winning looks like, which is something that's also valuable to this front Cavaliers franchise that hasn't done a lot of it recently.
0: Agreed. All right. On the clock at the number 15 overall. So that's the lottery there. Cleveland being the last, uh, last team in the lottery there. Uh, 15th, just outside of the lottery. Um, we're going back to Charlotte via new Orleans. Um So the Charlotte Hornets, once again, on the clock at 15th, which just to throw it out there is something you might want to pay attention to on draft night, right? A team that's got the 13th and the 15th picks. Um, if they, if they see a guy that kind of tickles their peach, uh, in this, you know, six, seven, eight range, um, maybe you don't get all the way up to six with those two picks, but like in the back half of the, the, the top 10, um, you know, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. Um, not that I've heard anything, especially that suggests that they want to do that. But any team that's got multiple, you know, a lottery pick and uh, you know other first-round picks, um, is a, a good team to keep your eye on with, when it comes to movement on draft night. But we're not in the business of trying to to do. We're not doing that. So uh, the <laughs> the Hornets are going to pick fifteenth here in the Jays today's mock draft, uh, and Mr. Doring is responsible for that pick.
1: Benedict Mather.
0: I kind of forgot he was still on the board, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, best player left on the board. Again, skeptical about lead guard primary ball handler in the NBA. LaMelo takes care of that issue.
2: There's nothing that particularly scares me at the shooting guard position in terms of he's taken minutes
1: away from player X and he's not going to be asked to do all that much in the immediate future anyway. I really like his upside, love his athleticism. I think it would be the idea of him playing with LaMelo would be really fun. This team's just, I want to see them go all in on the athleticism thing and he fits into that. And I, at this point, you're the Charlotte Hornets. You got to just sort of take the best players available. Now you have your center and find a way to fit him in.
0: Agreed. Yep. I think that at this point, if Benedict Mathurin is still there at 15, I don't think he's going to be, um, I think somebody's going to take him closer to 10 than 15 when it actually comes to the, to the draft on the 23rd. But at this point in in our draft here, if you, if he's still there, you got to take him. um, 16 Atlanta, Atlanta needs two things. Atlanta needs a backup point guard. Atlanta needs wing defense desperately. Um, and there's nobody here in terms of the backup point guard perspective that I'm, if, if we're talking 19th instead of 16th, then I'm thinking about Ty Ty Washington. Um, but this high, I'm, I'm not taking Ty Ty Washington quite this high. Instead, I'm going to go Tari Eason, um, a, a really nice defender, um, good hustle um, and shot 37. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 17 points for LSU last year, 37% from the three point line. If he can hold on to that, then uh, then we really like what we've got with Tari Eason. But if nothing else, he's going to come in and play defense at six seven. And uh, I like this pick here for Atlanta. Uh, bring somebody in who's going to actually hang their hat on the defensive end, please, God. Um, so uh, Tari Eason at six. The Andre Hunter's there. Yeah, but like, okay, then would you like me to go and find all the Atlanta Hawks defensive numbers? I mean, <laughs> we can talk about John Collins and Trey Young. I mean, Trey Young is... Is statistically the very worst defender in the NBA. Oh, so, sure. so, so, yes, I'm gonna go and desperately ask for more wing uh, defense so that you can hide him even deeper in the corner. I, Tyrese can help with that.
1: I was just going to the defense of DeAndre Hunter. Not your. I wasn't okay. trying to argue with your point.
0: With all due, I, I, that is fair. I was not dogging Tyrese Hunter. I mean, sorry, not DeAndre Hunter. Sorry. That that's
1: all I was going for. It makes complete sense. They. To put it nicely, they struggle defensively.
0: Yeah, (laughs) there you're right. That is nicely. Okay, yes, sixteen. Atlanta. Sorry, Eason. On the clock, Houston with number seventeen.
2: Yeah. So the Rockets have already acquired Jabari Smith. Not if I'm the if I'm the Rockets and it plays out this way, I'm not a huge fan. I'm gonna take Jaden Hardy though sort of the opposite of Dyson Daniels for the G League. Bucket getter, (laughs) first and foremost. You can play him next to Jalen Green. Again, this team just needs upside. And you can figure out the rest
1: later. If you've got guys that can score at a really high level, that's a great place to start. You can use more than one of them. Now, in theory, you have three. So
0: Let's give this a shot and see how it goes. <laughs> I'm I'm very much here for the give this a shot and see how it goes. I like it. Um all right, on the clock at 18, the Chicago Bulls. I, I you know, I maybe I should have held on to um Tatari Eason for the Bulls because I really think because the Bulls could also use some some defense. Um, but they could also use some shooting, uh, and a guy that shot it at a very, very high clip in his, uh, year at Ohio state was Malachi Branham. Um, so I'm going to take him here at, at number, at number 16 to, excuse me, number 18 to the Chicago bulls, um, three point success scoring talent. That's going to be the key to, for him, for him is to. To, to, shoot the ball really, really, well. And it's not like he's a minus defender. He plays, plays a uh, defense pretty well also. So Malachi Branham uh, at number 18 to the bulls. And we're moving right along the Minnesota Timberwolves 19 on the clock. Mr. Doring, you have two minutes. Please don't take all two.
1: <laughs> Kennedy Chandler.
0: Really? Okay. I like yes. it.
1: I'm a big he said fan. yes. He said yes. <laughs> I'm a big Kennedy Chandler guy. Not going to be an elite scorer, but that's okay. That's what Ant is there for.
0: (laughs) That guy is gross. There, see, it is. I was not expecting to when the Grizzlies were playing the Timberwolves in the first round for the guy that I was most scared of, like while watching, to be Anthony Edwards, but it was 100% Anthony Edwards. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's that dude.
1: Yeah. He he is that dude. Look, this gives you in the longer term view the opportunity to move away from d'angelo russell if you want he's really good in pick and rolls, so that gives you some flexibility with cat because of cat's ability to just shoot it Mm -hmm. i you can you can never have enough quality ball handlers this is a player who's only going to get better i like his upside and i I kind of also like the way he fits into what minnesota is building because he's not going to take away from the cornerstones you already have Mm
0: -hmm. Little Kennedy Chandler at number 19, number 20, the San Antonio Spurs. This is from Toronto. Now on the clock, this is where I'm gonna go with Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, uh, 6'6 wing, two way guy. I feel like is kind of his destiny. Um, and I feel like the the Spurs just need some three and D wings. And that's the guy that's one of the guys around this area that I feel like could blossom into that. Um, and a uh, guy that can shoot it and has a good feel for the game is a pretty good, pretty good type of prospect to put in 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 the system down there in San Antonio. So I'm going with Jalen Williams at 20.
1: I can't believe you took him that high. I am upset.
0: Are you sad?
1: I'm so sad. <laughs> so sad. So sad. I'm sorry, Bud. He's he's gonna fly under. Guys, the radar. Josh may
0: leave this podcast. You should see the look on really his face lie. right now. I'm he devastated. is. I've I've left him in just. He's searching for answers, just really? to life right now. Yes. He's like staring at his computer screen, but it might not even be his computer screen. It might be the border of the screen, just because he doesn't know what to do with himself yet and and he, I've left him dumbfounded. I've left him dumbfounded. We're playing chess here ladies and gentlemen.
1: I I had a home for him. It was all planned out.
0: Was that home Denver?
1: No nah, no, but I would have been okay. The with home that was too.
0: Philly wasn't it?
1: Well yes that was <laughs> he wasn't getting past 23. Certainly wasn't getting past
2: 23.
1: <laughs> I had a specific reason why the 76ers could have used him Mm -hmm. to me. I mean, and I watched 13 minutes of him last night. (laughs) He screams Tyrese Max. Not that they're the exact same player. He is not the same athlete. He's doesn't really finish well above the rim, but the idea of you put that dude out there, he can play the, he can play point or he shoots the ball well enough to play a shooting guard. He can beat Mm -hmm. people off the dribble. He is terrific out of the pick and roll. Like you said, his feel for the game is absolutely fantastic. He, and he's also a, a spot-up shooter, too. So you don't have to have the ball in his hands, but he can absolutely facilitate offense. I love watching him pass. And it, I understand he played at Santa Clara, but he wasn't playing in the M-A-A-C, the MAAC. No disrespect to the
2: MAAC. But he was playing in the WCC. He made, he made Chet look bad multiple times. I, I am a, This is my guy. He better not get past the
1: 23 to 25 range. To me, he, and I, he's very much a Greg Popovich guy too. So the Spurs getting him makes a lot of sense. I would be a little sad just because he would get stuck in that log jam of guys who do similar things and all of their you know six three to six six guys but i absolutely love him i wanted i wanted the because to me he's i wanted him in philly because he can i feel like he can do the same thing Tyrese Maxi kind of did where all of a sudden you pick the guy in the mid-20s and you look up and he's a max contract player kind of thing he doesn't have the same raw talent but his feel for the game more than makes up for it i am I am a huge
2: steel Williams fan. I am very, very sad. Right now.
0: Are you a sad boy? Yes. I'm sorry, buddy. We're going to have
1: to recover, though. The we're going to need a pick.
0: We're going to have to recover, though. Fair enough. Okay. okay. Moving right along. Um, wait, did you make a pick at 21? No, you no, no. That's what we're Oh, doing yeah, next. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. E.J. Waddell. Very nice. He needed to come off the board at some point. Yes.
1: He made terrific strides defensively. That is why he's a first round prospect at this point.
0: Shouts to a guy who, who went back to school to do the things that he said he wanted to do. And he did it from yes. a defense to a parameter shooting to a versatility. He did it all. So shouts yep. to him.
1: Yep. And of course, you've got Jokic in the middle. So it's not like he has to. And some Michael Porter Jr. is no small human being. You've got mm-hmm. some big bodies in there, so it's not like he he is capable of playing power forward, but he also doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And you're the Nuggets. You're trying to compete for a championship now that in theory you're going to be healthy this season, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I really think he can come in and give you something immediately. He is an excellent player who was just never going to be a favorite of the NBA's because he's smaller for the way he plays. He's not a elite shooter, not an elite athlete, not an elite defender. right? He's just a really good basketball player who has proven he can do everything needed to be a successful NBA player, which is why it, you know, it took him a while in college. I, I just have very few concerns about him. And to me, the where it screams EJ Waddell is team that needs somebody else to sort of fill a role and help elevate them, and put them into that title conversation. that's already in the title conversation, but sort of make them even more of a factor the way that some of those Suns picks did once that all came together kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really like EJ Liddell um, and I really hope he's able to carve out a spot for himself in, in the NBA as the 22nd overall pick. I was glad I was going to get to do this for the Grizzlies TBH. I was I was looking forward to being the getting the chance to uh, to play GM for the Grizzlies. And honestly, you know what? I would really love for there to be a guy on here that I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy can come in off the bench and knock down 42 percent of his three point shots. Um, I'm not sure that guy is. I mean, I mean, Jalen Williams would have been lovely to be able to, you know, grab and and put right there. That's That's Um, But. It is, it is what it is. Um, I, I'm really interested in what the Grizzlies end up doing here because I think what the Grizzlies end up doing here on the 23rd will kind of give me some insight into whether or not they think Tyus Jones will be, able, will be sticking around or if someone's going to pay him just more money than they're willing to pay him
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, or can pay him. Um, so I'm going to operate because I think somebody's going to pay Tyus Jones a lot of money. Um, this offseason. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that the Grizzlies need a pack up point guard, um, which is why I'm going with Tai Ty, Ty Washington here. Um, shot creator in the in the the second unit. I'm a big fan of and now Tyus Jones does everything else so well um that it wasn't a massive deal that he wasn't like a create his own shot kind of guy. Um, but Ty, Ty washington good in the pick and roll good passer, a good enough three-point shooter. And the idea of your second unit being a lot of Brandon Clark and Ty Ty Washington pick and rolls, um, there are worse, there are worse places to start with your second unit offense. Um, So I'm going to go with him at 22 for the Grizzlies. Um, I don't love the idea of him not ever being, because like, I don't think you can play him and jaw together in the backcourt. Like, I just don't think that makes a ton of sense. From a like, just from a lineups that might overlap a little bit perspective, that was part of the, the thing about Tyus Jones that he could he could kind of be there next to Jaw if, if necessary. He was starting games when guys were injured in the playoffs, um, so that that would be the only thing there. But I think like over a guy like Bryce McAllen's, I just like Tyte Washington more, um, so I'm gonna go with him there uh, to kind of slide him into the backup point guard position. Uh, assuming that Ty Jones gets uh, paid too much money for him to uh, for the, the Grizzlies to be able to hold him down uh, for next year.
1: This is why I wish the Nets would have chosen to take this 76ers pick instead of
2: next year's they didn't. So here we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm going to go Blake Wesley.
0: Little Blake Wesley. I like Blake Wesley a lot.
1: Ty Ty Washington was screaming my name.
0: Relatively speaking, but like, I I I, I think Blake Wesley is a quality player.
1: Yeah. I was hoping you weren't going to take Ty Ty because I was going to put him right in there. I mean, this team needs a backup point guard, which Blake Wesley provides. My only hesitation with Blake Wesley in this spot is, again, I'm just, I am hesitant about the immediate impact he's going to be able to make. If we were talking about a team that was, see, and honestly, I really like, that idea for the Grizzlies. The problem is you need a quite possibly need a backup point guard next year, <laughs> which goes to the same point of what I am making about the 76ers. If I'm not sure Blake Wesley's in the guy. I feel much better about that being Ty Ty Washington or Kennedy Chandler. But if you can get him
2: in a position where a team is growing, I really, the upside is undeniable. And so maybe
1: the 76ers can find another diamond in the rough here, much like Tyrese Maxey. And he turned out to be something truly special. I That the, the potential and the fit from a position, what the Sixers could use standpoint
2: makes this justifiable. I don't love it to be frank, but that's the way we're going to go.
0: I think that's a fair pick there. Yeah. We're kind of getting to that point in the, uh, in the in the in the back end of the first round, where you're kind of picking straws on how on who's going to be available once you get to this point, um, but you're right. I think that you know Blake Wesley, maybe not a hundred percent a a point guard yet, but a guy who's six three, um, good feel for the game, good ball handler, could certainly come in and kind of be that guy um, for for the Sixers. I don't I don't hate that fit at all. Okay, twenty four Milwaukee. The Bucs. Okay, first of all, can we talk about how the Bucs should have back-to-back titles right now? Can we agree on that, that the Bucs are better than both of these teams in the finals right now, a healthy Bucks team?
2: I'm trying to think of a common point. I don't really have one. Unless the Celtics win in six, then maybe you've got an argument. Mm-hmm.
1: Otherwise, yeah, I'm right there with the Celtic the Celtics are throwing this series away more than the Warriors are winning it. Because the Celtics are clearly the um, let's make it even more simple. The Celtics are clearly the better team. There is a real argument the, the Bucks could slash should have won that series anyway, and then you add Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I'm, I'm right there with. You.
0: It's just unfortunate. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the thing. That's not to like dog the Celtics or the, the, the warriors, like right. to suggest that anybody wins a title without a little bit of luck is just ridiculous. Um, but I think we're going to get to the end of the series and the bucks are sitting at home watching this series. like, man, if Chris was just healthy and we got yep. through that series, Yep. Um, but that is the way that it is. Um, the bucks 24th overall pick, um, here I've kind of got my, okay. Who at some point, um, at some point, the homie Brooke Lopez is just going to like kind of fade away 35 next year. That's a lot of, that's a big body to be carrying around. So how about we replace him with a 20 year old rim protector, uh, who almost averaged five blocks per game this year at Auburn, uh, and Walker Kessler, um, there's absolutely a spot for him in the NBA. Um, he doesn't have to do anything. Um, just, just play good defense, block some shots. Um, and then if you can turn him into a three point shooter, like even just one that like when you do a pick and pop, you have to like not leave him wide open, then, then you're really unlocking some things, but, um, get it, you know, replace, you sort of be the, the successor to Brooke Lopez. Um, that's what we're talking about for the bucks here clearly they're not they're not hurting for a ton the other thing i'm thinking about here is kind of like that switchable you know it's either get a guy like walker kessler or get a guy who can switch on everything a la pj tucker um but i'm not really sure there's a ton going on in this general area of the draft um maybe like a dale and terry um out of arizona um big fan but um I'm going to stick with Walker Kessler here. um, Not make it more difficult than it needs to be. um, And let him sort of uh, get into a place where he can do what he's good at. uh, Maybe uh, expand the three point shot a little bit and sort of plug him in because the bucks look like they're going to be good for the the foreseeable future. I
1: mean, he's farther along three point shooting wise than Brooke Lopez was when he got to the NBA.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. If
1: if Brooke Lopez can do it, Walker Kessler can too, and, if nothing
2: else, he gives you a very specific skill set.
0: Yeah. All right. We're back, We're back, 25th. To, the, back to the Spurs. Yeah. They're just all over it, all over the Spurs first round.
1: The Thunder here. I'm going with Nikola Jokic.
0: We we've got the needs. Not Nikola Jokic. That's right. My favorite part of uh, of Kevin O'Connor's draft guide for the Ringer this year it's a, in his little shades up category. It says Danilo Gallinari and not, not- Nikola Jokic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anyways, continue.
1: Again, the high upside. You're not expecting anything right away. That's more than fine for the Spurs. The Spurs are also very good at developing international players. See Parker, comma, Tony, and Ginobili, comma, Manu,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just to name a couple. And they're, I think this is a really nice fit. I was trying to find somewhere to take him. This was the first place I really felt comfortable because again, the, you're looking from the last time they picked it was the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Sixers and the Bucks. None of those teams are interested in the project. Right. And so this is sort of the first spot where it makes sense. He is not Jalen Duran. Whether they can play on the floor together is a question you figure out three years from now.
2: <laughs>
1: they, they're not going to take up the same sort of contributions and right. piece of the how do, you know, how do these players fit together. So that part of that I'm not worried about. And you're at pick 25. Let's get the best available players out here and see what happens.
0: I'm very much, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for fit hundred percent and then I'm also never going to uh de- um, blame anybody for what the 25th overall pick picking a guy that could maybe be the best guy you know, you know that with you know in relation to all the other guys around him um now Jovic could be Poku part two he could very well be that but he could he could also turn into something very very interesting uh in the NBA but uh I like that you, you got a couple guys earlier in the draft that are very much i mean i, I believe we picked jalen williams and shade and jalen Dern for him yeah. for them mm-hmm. so that's a very um those are two guys i i, I have feel strongly will be productive uh, and maybe you can take the hit there it's not like you're trying to contend anytime soon uh 26 if he was still here i was i was going to take him uh dale and terry uh three and d kind of guy mm-hmm. um just give somebody off the ball who can get out of lucas way and play a little defense on the other end that's uh, it doesn't need to be much that much harder than this. So, uh, Dalen Terry 26 to the Mavs.
1: He is another one of those guys. You throw him on a team that's looking to compete. I was seriously considering taking 27 in Miami for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love him. There's nothing he does particularly well that stands out, which is why he's a borderline first round pick. But he defends, he passes, he works his butt off, he's just, you know, he's got great instincts, all of that, it's just it's winning DNA is the best way to, to describe him. Mean, I know, you know, Seth Davis had him as the captain of his all-blue team, and that's exactly who he is. So putting him on a team that could use some more guys like that that do the little things makes all the sense in the world.
0: All righty. Now that I've taken Dale and Terry, who are you going with for the Heat at twenty seven? Kendall Brown. Okay, yeah.
1: Eventually, Jimmy Butler is not going to be your primary, uh, slash PJ Tucker, he's not going to be your primary perimeter defender. I've expressed my concerns about Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown is not going to ask, he has to do very much on a team that just came really close to making the NBA Finals for a second time in
2: a handful of years. Mm-hmm. And he gives you a different level of athleticism on a team that especially at the guard position doesn't offer you all that much. He has a very special set of skills.
1: The question is whether they're going to translate into a long successful NBA career. But again, we're at the back end of the the first round and you know, you're getting something you don't have a lot of, which is raw athleticism and ability to play above the rim. So.
0: Yep. I like it. Uh, speaking of raw athleticism and a guy who can uh, finish above the rim, um, it, it really sucks that like three years after they picked James Wiseman with the number two overall pick, that the Warriors are with the 28th pick trying to find somebody to actually play fill that role that they were hoping Wiseman would. Um, which is why I'm chasing taking Christian Cloko, Chris Um Shot blocker, athletic, can finish above the rim. Um, pretty raw at this point but um anything as long as he's on the floor he's better than james wiseman so um coloco 28 to the golden state warriors and it's
1: it's not like having both of them eventually would be a problem
0: no you can't i mean yeah, it's I'll just the prince it's the principle of the thing though. yeah sure that this is st- an athletic big who can protect the rim is still something that they need after they spent the number two overall pick on a guy exactly like that, you know, 48 months ago.
1: Yeah. And you're not playing them on the floor together, but they have basically zero guys that do that right now. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of having two of
2: them wouldn't hurt. And this is, this is the big weakness. The Celtics are just bigger and stronger and more athletic. So getting a crit- – I,
1: I saw mock drafts that had him here, and I went, that makes all the sense in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you, you don't need him to do all that much. But the stuff he does is one of the main things you are missing right now as you're trying to sort of extend this second championship window that has reappeared as Steph has gone into hyper mode here you could use some more playmaking too. there are plenty of things they could use, but I like, I like that decision. And at this point, you can't count on Weisman. So having somebody in theory, you can't count on to give you those things. is valid.
0: Agreed. All right. 29, the Memphis Grizzlies. Don't do me dirty. Come on. I'm going to go Bryce
2: McGowan. Okay. Just gives you something a little bit different. Trevor Keels would also be an interesting option here. Mm -hmm. But you've got, you know,
1: you've already taken the backup point guard. They have plenty of guys to play shooting guard and sort of fill out the backcourt slash wing area. So let's get a little more size in there. He's sort of the exact opposite of Brandon Clark (laughs) it didn't work at the college level he's a one and done highly touted all of those things but I do I do think there's value in trying to much like Zaire Williams last year taking a couple flyers on some guys because you know you have so much already balancing Brandon Clark and Desmond Bain with Bryce McGowans and and Zaire Williams is sort of going back and forth between the two as you're trying to get this team to ultimately be the best in the NBA because they're so close already. They don't, they don't need to find two more stars, but they could use one more big time difference maker. Maybe McAllen's steps up and becomes a bigger part of this than it might look
2: like at this moment. He's going.
0: Yeah. I think at this point, right. It's, it's, the combination of yeah we don't really need a guy to come in and be a star but we also like it's not like we have the most valuable of drafts capital this year and but it was clear and like at this point unless you stumble into something like what the Grizzlies need is another is another shot creator that can get his own shot not named John Morant because like I love Dylan Brooks to death but he's not that guy and he thinks that he's that guy and we need him to not be put in a position where he is allowed to think that he's that guy and the best way to do that is to find somebody else to be that guy um i'm not sure you're going to find it with bryce McGowan's, but i also think that he has a chance to be a productive nba player um and if you get that at the in the very end of the first round then then you're doing okay for yourself um the Oklahoma City Thunder get to pick another NBA player. <laughs> How about that? To round out the first round, thirtieth overall pick. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Brown here from Kansas. Oh, um, okay. I just think that when you're trying to become a good basketball team, having a guy that can that can shoot it and is that athlete, is as is athletic and uh, and just just plays the game hard is not is not a bad guy to have, especially when you got all the talent that in theory they're going to have with the draft picks that we've made for them and what they've already got there with the SGA and Josh Giddy. So I just kind of like having a guy like that in the, in the mix for a team that's trying to get better. And um, so uh, going to finish out the first round with, with little Christian Brown from, from Kansas.
1: Right near home. Yeah. He's, he's got a nasty streak in him. Which
0: yes, he, he does. You're right. He does.
1: Is, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, that is a, a compliment. Nice little edge to bring. I do I do kind of like that concept of him going to the thunder as they're trying to build this thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've got four more players on my big board. Okay. Just though I was considering. Pat Baldwin yeah. Jr. would be really interesting on the Grizzlies too. Yep. Yeah. I thought about that. Trevor Keels, I'm just fascinated by him because that man is just a wall <laughs> and Wendell Moore and Justin Lewis. Those are my next four guys. I was considering if okay. I needed to go that deep.
0: Okay. I like those. I like those.
1: I added Wendell Moore just for you.
0: Thanks buddy. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Both him and Tra- Trevor Keels. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm not like Trevor Keels is just like a guy that, you you wish was a defensive menace and he's just not, at least not yet. And, and at least not he's super, you know, aggressive, solid playmaker. But like when you're 225 and 6'4 and kind of built the way that Trevor Kills is, you just kind of want him to be a physical presence on the defensive end. And um, you know, it's just not quite what he communicated that he was at Duke. But yeah, and, and I and I said this last week, but Pat Baldwin Jr. is fascinating. Um, like if someone gets him 34th, you know, like 32nd, um, like that is I mean, you stumbled into a, a guy that was a former five star, um, six nine, a little bit over, and like it's it's i I kind of feel like the the guy that was a five star is in there somewhere and uh, i'm not sure that what happened to him in milwaukee um is the fairest of ways to um to put a to to put a stamp on him but then again you know i guess you would rather him average more than twelve points per game at milwaukee like if i think that's also fair but um anywho i like those um there's some there's an interesting group right there outside of the first round
2: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I feel like Kiel's really, as Duke kind of evolved and, you know, he
1: missed some games, just didn't really get it back going. Because there was a at right. the at the beginning, I was going, oh, my goodness. And then it just never kind of, for multiple reasons, turned out and sort of ended up at that point where I thought he could be, which makes him another one of those kind of – I. I don't really know what's going to happen come NBA draft night for him. Intriguing. Curious to see where it goes. I just could see it at the back end, the back end, you know, last few picks of the first round. Could see it
2: 10 picks into the second round. Just don't don't really know how teams feel about him.
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, there you go. There's 30 picks right there. Real quick, I'm going to unnecessarily go through all 30, but here we go. Chet. Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith in that order. One, two, three. Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Jalen Dern, Usman Deng, Johnny Davis, Jeremy Sohan, Mark Williams, and Ochik Baji. That's our lottery. At 15, it was Benedict Mathurin, Tari Eason, Jaden Hardy, Malachi Branham, Kennedy Chandler, Jalen Williams, EJ Liddell. Ty Ty Washington, Jr., the Sixers at 23, Blake Wesley, Walker Kessler, Nikola jovic not Jokic, um, Dale and Terry Kendall Brown, Christian Coloco to the Warriors, Bryce McGowans, and Christian Brown from Kansas to the Oklahoma City Thunder to round out the top 30. An interesting group of players kind of all up and down this draft like I think like you you have this this top three that are kind of like these are the three guys then right there at four you start talking about guys that are like you know that are have injury history that like is Keegan Murray all that exciting Shaden Sharps never played a truly competitive basketball game in his life um Johnny Davis just averaged 20 but like is anybody really wanting to pick him top 10 at the end of the day um a lot going on, and as every year, a bunch of interesting prospects here. Um, but uh, this year, no different.
1: I have some bad news.
0: What? We oh, just no.
1: did all of that. Talked about Christian Baum becoming a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they have now traded the 30th pick.
0: Have they really? To who? Yes. <laughs> to who?
1: The, Denver, the Denver Nuggets.
0: For... So
1: Denver is sending Jermichael Green and a
2: protected first rounder to the Thunder for the 30th pick and two other picks. I'm working to see. It does not appear. um, I have not
1: found what those other picks are yet, but they have made a, a swap that results in the Nuggets acquiring an extra first round pick here.
0: All righty. Well, I still think Christian Brown's a great fit there. <laughs> After all that work, we <laughs> I know a little salty about it. But okay, we'll uh, continue to monitor uh, NBA draft. Just, uh, you know, a draft order movement over the next couple weeks. We're uh, just over two weeks away. Just over a week away. Excuse me from the. About a week and a half from the 2022 MBA draft, Mr. Doring. Anything else on our mock draft, or anything else you need to get off your chest? I would like to read moment?
1: read it aloud Sabrina Nescu's stat line so far. Her stat lines this month. Yep, yeah, hit me. 23-7 and two on six of 11 shooting.
0: Okay.
1: 24-2 and three. Okay. 31-5 and seven on 13 of 24 shooting dang 26 8 and 8 on 10 of 11 shooting spicy 13 6 and 7 and then sunday 27 13 and 12 jeez on uh, 9 of 16 shooting elite and jeez,
0: they're elite. still
1: bad and it makes me sad
0: yeah well you know
1: that is some month Sabrina readers are having
0: man. that is that is true that is true that's that is a high quality month from uh from um, sabrina the thing i'll add before we get out of here is that it is so poetic that rory mcelroy went on the pga <laughs> tour this week when a bunch of money hungry guys playing on the live golf tour who will do anything but admit that that's why they right. want to go to the live golf tour like yep. that's all you need to know about whether it's right or not But when the guys that are doing it won't even well, right, admit yep. why they're doing it right there. That's all you need to know. Um, but to see, to, you know, to, to go back to Canada for the first time since 2019, Rory was the defending champion and he won in 2019 hadn't been played since uh, the pandemic. Um, so for him to go back there to trade birdies with Justin Thomas, who is also a top five player in the world and just won the PGA championship for that to happen on this weekend and to see the side-by-sides of Rory's final putt and Charles Schwartzel's (laughs) final putt, um, at in in london was a pure it was just ecstasy for those who are um actually interested in uh in what in in what everyone claims they're doing which is which is growing growing the game but uh rory winning uh on sunday was exactly what the pga tour needed um to remind people and to have it in, in canada which, you know, a place that had really been like starved of golf for a while, because like in Canada, they shut down the golf Mm -hmm. courses during, because, you know, they were shut down here for a little while, but then in the United States, it kind of became clear, like, okay, if you're outside, it's a pretty easy thing to be able to do and social distance. Like golf is now like as popular as it's ever been in large part because of the pandemic. And in Canada, it didn't quite go that way. The golf courses were closed for a long time. Um, so to see all that come to fruition on, on this particular weekend was awesome. So I was very, very happy about that uh, yesterday afternoon.
1: And now they're all going to come together and play the U.S. Open. Which is sense. wild.
0: <laughs> Which is wild. We'll see how that goes. That is that is uh, certainly fascinating. Okay, Mr. Doring, I'm out of things to say. What do you got? Anything else? No. All righty. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays Days pod. And we'll be back next week uh, to get ready uh, the final uh, preparations for the 2022 NBA draft. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He is also Josh. We'll see you next.